listen now to God's word. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judah and and, uh, Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. When he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens begin uh, being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, what a word. What a word spoken to be heard and a word passed on to us. Lord, we pray even now that you would send your Holy Spirit to fill Andy as he uh, delivers the message you've laid on his heart. Lord, it's only by our souls being softened by your Spirit that we can hear a word. And so, Lord, we pray that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see and open hearts to receive all that you have in store for us this day. We pray in your Son's precious name. Amen. Happy Father's Day. Did you notice that uh, the picture of Caleb and I on the front of your bulletin? Isn't that nice? Isn't it nice that there, this was on our our weekly father-son hike through the mountains. Um, We always spend that time together. Don't ruin a good story for the sake of the truth, my grandfather always said. Father's Day, it's a nice picture on the bulletin, father and his son walking together. Father's Day is a great day, but it might also actually, for some of us, create a feeling, a sort of a bittersweet feeling. Like Mother's Day, Father's Day is a day when in our rightful celebration, we should celebrate, we should honor our fathers and our mothers. As the Lord commands us, they deserve our honor, but you know, there's also this element uh, that is kind of underneath the surface that for many of us, Father's Day is not really a day of rejoicing. Truth is, we are living in an increasingly fatherless society, and there are many problems that emerge with this, and these problems, we don't talk about them much on Father's Day, but they are right underneath the surface, and uh, of course, not every child who grows up without a father will experience all of these problems, but on on a wide scale, social science shows that This fatherlessness is creating enormous social problems. And for those of us who did grow up with a father in the house, um, most of us are aware of our father's shortcomings. All of us are aware of our father's shortcomings, and 
Some had dads in the house who were, who were just not present. They were physically present, but not present in other ways. Some had fathers who were present in unhelpful ways. Some had distant fathers. So Father's Day is a day of celebration, but it's not a day of celebration for anyone, in fact, or for everyone. And in fact, there are many whose experience of their, experience of their fathers was so negative that they actually cringe at hearing God described as father. There's some contemporary theologians and hymnals that actually decided to set aside that language of father um, for less masculine language or also uh, including maternal language for God as a way of kind of getting around this problem of our own experiences of fathers. And I think, I actually think though that this is a great mistake, that it's a big mistake to try to unfather God the Father. And that's not because God is a, is a male. And it's not because God doesn't have uh, characteristics that we would consider to be feminine. But the problem is that God has revealed himself as a father. Primary way that scripture speaks about God is a father. And there is good reason for this, as we'll see. The short answer is that we shouldn't neglect the fact that God is father. And we should embrace this fact that God is a father. Because the fatherhood of God is the answer and solution to the problem of human fatherhood that we all know and all have experienced. Our problem is that when we say God is our father, we assume that that this means that God is just like our fathers. Now, no matter how good your father was, he was but a pale reflection of God's fatherly kindness and goodness. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul writes, For this reason I bow before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And what's interesting about that word, he uses the word uh, that's translated family, is patria, which can also be translated fatherhood. So you might say, I I bow my knees before the Father, from whom all fatherhood is named. So human fathers need to learn a fatherhood from the heavenly Father. It is derivative. Fatherhood is something that is derived from God, named by God. And so as Douglas Wilson says, each human father carries around a little mirror with which he is supposed to reflect God's fatherhood back to him. Which, by the way, should make all of us who are fathers tremble. Because it means, Dad, that your kids are getting some of their first lessons or received their first lessons on who God is from you. In his book, Father Hunger, Douglas Wilson asks, how many children in Christian homes think that the universe is governed by a pinched, censorious face because that is the face that was presented to them. Fathers, whether they recognize it or not, are behaving in a way that will shape their children's understanding of what it means to be a father, and that understanding will occupy a central place in their lives. So are you their protector or the principal thing they need protection from? Are you the provider or the main impediment to provision? Are you the driving engine of joy in your household or the central reason for depression and sorrow? Fathers, he says, are speaking about God the Father constantly. They do not have the option of shutting up. What they are saying may be true or false, but they are not in a position where they can refuse to say anything. Every one of them is saying something all the time. So it's worth reflecting on Father's Day, dads, those of us who are dads, what what is it that we are teaching our families about God the Father? And is it true? And for all of us, Even those who aren't fathers, we might ask, what did our dads teach us about God the Father? And is it true compared to how God reveals himself in Scripture 
And our passage today gives us a picture of true fatherhood. It is as true as it gets, what we see right here. We have this interaction between God the Father and God the Son, a relationship that is perfect, unimpaired by sin or bad habits or bad modeling or bad upbringing. This is a picture of what all fatherhood is intended to be as we reflect it back up to God. So here we can learn a fatherhood from a perfect father. And what is it that we see when we look in Mark's gospel? It's these first verses in Mark, Mark's gospel. The baptism of Jesus is a point of departure. In all gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it is a turning point where Jesus begins his ministry. The Spirit anoints him for the messianic tasks for which he was sent. It's a transition moment. And the first thing we, we might notice is that his father was there. His father was present with his son at this important moment in his life. This is kind of implied, but I want to just draw it out because I think it's important. Earthly fathers must not miss this, that God the Father is present in the life of Jesus' son. Now, of course, we cannot be uh, as God is. We cannot be present at every moment. We cannot be as present as God, but we should not underestimate how critical our simple presence is. Physical presence, emotional presence, attentive presence. God the Father is present to His Son. Fatherhood is presence. And by the way, this is true not just for fathers with their own families, but Camp Sunshine guys, it's going to be true for you when you are, you'll, you'll find all these kids attracted like magnets to you. I find this at a playground near my house where I take the kids uh, I'll, I'll there's very few fathers who are ever there, so the, the kids are like drawn to me, not because I've done anything nice to them, or, or I'm, I'm do, they just, there's this magnetic pull. And this is true, uh, so this is true for all, um, all people, especially all men. And it's also, the second sub-point there is that even when an earthly father is not present, God the Father is present. There is always the potential for fatherly presence. That's the first thing we learn about fatherhood. It is presence in the life of children. The second thing we see in this passage is that as Jesus emerges from the water, a voice comes from heaven. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved son. So here we see God the Father speaking his love, claiming and affirming intentionally his son. Now, of course, Jesus was God's son before this moment, it wasn't like Jesus was just another guy and then God decided at this moment to make him his son. We re- the first verse, uh, Pastor Pete read, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. He was the son of God from the beginning. John's gospel says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. So God, had begotten, God the Father had begotten Jesus his son, but he still saw it fit in this moment to verbally declare and affirm that Jesus was his son, and not only his son, but his beloved son. And so this makes me wonder if perhaps all fatherhood, taking, uh, der- deriving from what we see here, all fatherhood is, is a kind of a two-step process, where at some point a father needs to claim and affirm and choose the son's daughters that he has begotten already. Interestingly, in Matthew's gospel, God declares it to everyone. Matthew, Matthew's account says, this is my beloved son, as though it's, it's, it's to the crowds who are watching. But in Mark and Luke, he says, you are my beloved son. And so in, in both cases, God verbalizes his fatherly love, both publicly and personally. 
this is something that's often hard for fathers to do. Um, to, since we struggle to communicate affection. Quick plug, in July we're going to be doing a class on the communicate, communicating our affection um, more effectively in ways uh, that um, it's a skill. It's a skill that we can learn as we can learn any other skill. So that's coming up in July. The third thing we see is that not only is God the Father present, not only does he say, you are my beloved son, but he goes on and says, with you I am well pleased. You can also translate that, in you I delight. I think this is a third uh, lesson we can draw. God the Father is not only present, he not only loves, but he overflows with delight for his child. And he speaks it. He names it. He says it in a way that the child, his son, Jesus, can hear. And so we see here that this is what it means for God to be father, not oppressive, distant, cold, parental figure that you might be thinking or you might remember or you might be. No, God's fatherhood is one that is present, is well-pleased, is delighting over his son. In you, I delight. Isn't that something that we all would love to hear? In you, I delight. So does what we see of God's love as a father describe either our experience as fathers or our experience of our fathers? Dads, is this what we are like? Are we reflecting back up to God, his fatherhood, in an accurate way? Do we choose and affirm the children we have begotten? Do they know that they are beloved? Have we told them? If our kids are asked, does your dad delight in you? What would they say? The truth is, of course, that all of us are fathers or had fathers who in one way or another were not like this. So there's a danger for this sermon to become, and I'm sensing it might be an enormous downer so far, reminder of our own failures, reminder of the failures we've experienced. No dad, of course, can match the Heavenly Father, but there is good news. There is good news in this passage because, as I said at the beginning, God's fatherhood is the answer, the solution to the inevitable problems that that come with human fatherhood. So if, I, if I'm ruining your Father's Day, don't tune out yet. To explain what, what the good news is, I think we need to back up in the passage and ask, why did Jesus get baptized in the first place? This occasion with which God speaks his affection and his delight over his son, what is the occasion and why did Jesus get baptized? If you're reading carefully, there are some interesting questions that might have emerged. Mark tells us in verse 4, that John has appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance, right? For what? For the forgiveness of sins. This baptism was about repentance and forgiveness of sins. So why is Jesus doing it, right? We all, we all say that Jesus didn't need to repent. He was the Son of God. He didn't sin. Jesus, if this baptism was about repentance and Jesus didn't need to repent, why was he doing it? If it was about forgiveness... Why did he do it if he didn't need to have his sins forgiven? In fact, if you look in Matthew's account of the gospel, you'll see that John actually tries to say, hey, I, I, I should be baptized by you. You shouldn't be here to, to baptize me. And Jesus responds that he is being baptized in order to fulfill all righteousness. So bringing that in, what does that mean to, to fulfill all righteousness? Well, I think it means that Jesus was baptized in order to fulfill all of the obligations that a sinful humanity uh, had towards God. In other words, Jesus was baptized in order to identify himself with us. Not because he needed to, but in order to identify himself with us. As the prophets say, he's numbered among the transgressors. So here's all these people 
confessing their sins and being baptized, and Jesus walks in that water as well and numbers himself among them, identifies himself with sinful humanity. And so when Jesus is baptized, he declares himself to be one with humanity, and then coming up from that baptism in which he is identified with all of us, he is then declared by his Father to be a beloved son in whom God is well pleased. Now stay with me because I think this is hugely important and wonderful news. Because if Jesus was baptized, identifying himself with us, he did that so that when we identify ourselves with him by faith, God speaks these same words over us. God speaks these same words over us. Jesus joined himself to us in baptism so that we could join ourselves to him in faith and here with him, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. In you, I delight. God the Father speaking that to us in Christ. So to all who have been wounded by their fathers, and to all who have wounded as fathers, which, by the way, includes every single one of us, the good news is that when we are united to Christ by faith, we join with him in hearing the Heavenly Father, the one from whom all fatherhood is named, speaking these healing and restoring and forgiving words. To the father who has failed his kids and his wife, as well as the child who has been failed by their father, as we identify ourselves with Jesus Christ and grow in our union with him, repenting from our sin, seeking our forgiveness from God, united to, the, to Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, your heavenly Father then speaks these words to you because he sees in you not your sins, not your shortcomings, not your shame. He sees his son in you. He sees his perfect, spotless son in you. And so he says something to you that is true now. The thing we all need to hear from a father who will not fail us. And he delights to say it. You are my son. You are my beloved son, my beloved daughter. In you I am well pleased I delight in you. This is the reason Jesus came down to earth. This is the reason Jesus went down into the river. This is the reason Jesus went down into the grave so that we could hear God say, I am your father and I delight in you. Paul confirms this in Ephesians 2, 18 and 19. He says this, For through him, through Christ, we have access to, in one spirit to the Father. In Jesus Christ, we have access in the Spirit to the Father. We have access to the Father. And so then he says, you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are members of the household of God. Members of the household of God. Sons and daughters. In Christ, through the Spirit. Do you see yourself in this way? Do you hear God speaking this to you? Do you know that God is present with you? And that he loves you? In fact, he delights in you? And so when these words are read, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, those of us who are united to, to Christ by faith, these words are for us. He's speaking them to us. If you're a father who's failed in some way, uh, it is not too late. Jesus extends to all of us the offer to call his father our father. So if you are a father who has failed or, or if you are a child who has received a failure, it is not too late, as Doug Wilson writes, it is not too late for you to be the first in the long line of faithful fathers. And for all of us, it begins by uniting or reuniting ourselves to the Son of God by faith so that we can hear with him, you are my beloved son. 
You are my beloved daughter, and you I delight. And then when we believe these words to be true of ourselves, we can then speak them truly to our own sons and daughters, those that God has given us in our families and those that God gives us in the family of God, the household of God, the church. So let us uh, internalize these words so that then we can speak the good news that they have within them to the world. Let us pray. Lord, you uh, are good. You are our Father. Because you are almighty, we can trust you to be in control. And because you are our Father, we can trust you to be in control for our good. Help us to understand this and live in the freedom that it offers us. Live freely in your household as sons and daughters, not as slaves, not in fear, but trusting you as our Father. We want to honor you this day. We want to honor our fathers and the gift that you have bestowed upon them. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.